Japan's making some move with interest rates. Not sure if the market likes that. Earthquake in California to shake up things. Amazon, the top pick for 2023 from JP Morgan. Is that thinking out of the box or what? Time to talk commodities. Gold's on fire. Gold's over 1,800. We're going to bring on Angie Setzer. She's been helping us follow these commodity markets at 835. Stocks are getting hit, folks. Not much support. Let's see what we can do about it. Let's welcome back Mitch, the birthday boy. Roll the intro. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's take a look at the S&P Spires. Throw out the high, throw out the low. We're down 10 handles at 38.3550. Boy, oh boy, we had a big break overnight. We'll see if we get to that pre-market low of 0350. Uh, the dollar, after uh, the moves by Japan, that's holding steady at 104.65. TLT doesn't like it. The bonds don't like it. They're down a buck 38 at 103.93. That's your TLT. Crude, just hanging out in the mid-75 handle, 75, 76. We're up 50 cents at 75.88. Gold futures, they like uh, gold likes uh, uncertainty. That's what we have now. Up 12.10 at 1809.80. Silver did trade in the 24 handle, but only up 56 cents now at 23.76. And Bitcoin, just being mild-mannered Bitcoin, up 280. It's 16,775. Let's bring on Triple D, who actually was probably sleeping uh, during the low of the move, and the birthday boy, Money Mitch. How you doing, Mitch? Let's uh, let's talk about the birthday. Now you are legal, right? You can buy alcohol? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. You know, <laughs> they say 10 years younger, right? I'll take it. <laughs> right. Well, welcome back to a kid, a just a, uh, a busy, busy, busy morning. Uh, Triple D, what's uh, what's got your head on a swivel there? Everything. What are you seeing in the pre-market trading? Uh, right now, Netflix. I'm actually getting the beats on here, too. I'm trying mm. to work out of a position. So I will Netflix. hold my comments on it, but it just broke news here right at 8 o'clock. So it's always oh, the way it is. Holy mackerel. You see Mitch, the little sell-off? <laughs> I just found out about it. <laughs> Even Dennis knew before I did. Um, subscriber data here, which obviously we heard about right. some of this from what it was a place called again, data. Digital monsters, you know, Digimons. Digital. You know. Wow. Uh, I'm looking, what, what do you see there? What do you see on the, on the news? Uh, I'm seeing that subscribers to Netflix is advertising. Um, it, it's got subscriber data here. So I don't have the breakdown on it, but it looks like at 8 o'clock some numbers came out. Newer returning customers um, account for 57% of Netflix's ads. It's Wall Street Journal. It's all coming from the Wall Street Journal. Okay. I, like I said, I don't have it in front of me. I do have a small trading position in it, which is not going well right now. So I'll limit my comments, but trying to control. Okay. Damage control. Damage control. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, the only thing I could say is that there is a daily low at 275.94. Uh, that was on November 29th. You had a nice rally that day, uh, and you continued higher after that. So right there, that's what I'm looking at, 75.94. You haven't quite hit that yet. Uh, Pre-market low as we speak is at 77.10. They're throwing a few shares around here. So uh, we'll have to start following that uh, Digi Day or digital media or whatever they it's are. Like they, they knew what they were talking the about. Yeah, they knew well, what they were uh, talking about. Go ahead, bitch. I'll give you what the Wall Street Journal is reporting here. Of course, they're yeah. saying that uh, pretty much the ad-supported tier was the least popular plan um, from Netflix. Uh, it said that it only accounted for about 9% of new signups in the U.S. I don't know if this is necessarily that negative. I mean, everyone was expecting the ad tier to save Netflix subscriptions. Maybe that's the outlook that you're looking at it in such a negative. Uh, but it does, it's not saying that they're not getting subscribers on their other platform, right? It's not saying that they're not getting it on full price. So who knows? Maybe they're they're just paying the full price and they don't yeah. care about ad support. I know I'm not a fan of ads and I will specifically pay to get around that, but maybe that's what the other consumers are doing also. I just sold my overnight position, took the loss. Um, I don't even think it's been mentioned on CNBC yet. So yeah, um, sometimes you just got to eat the losses. You know, you have an overnight trade. It gets hit with and random news. This is one thing with overnight trading. When you hold so many positions, eventually, you know, you're going to get hit sometimes with news that hits you overnight. Sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's bad news. Sometimes it's good news. It's interpreted as bad news. You know, it's funny how that works, but um, sometimes you just got to eat the losses. The whole thing is in trading is eat the losses when you can. Move on. Move on. Eat the loss. Move on. Um, it was um, it was interesting that the, the thing was down the entire pre-market there before the news. So obviously somebody knew that news was coming and it does. So it's it's down eight bucks. Again, I had this in the long-term account. The reason, you know, the reason I have it overnight is just an arbitrage trade. So that's completely different. But the reason I had it in the long-term portfolio was I liked the valuation back when it was 16, 17 times earnings. I don't like the valuation now that it's come all the way up to 27, 28 times earnings here. And now they're trying to figure it all out. And I also believe we're still going into a recession. That's why I sold the stock at 307 there six trading sessions ago. The day next day, obviously, Wall Fargo upgraded it and I was mad about it because it went yeah. But I'm feeling pretty good about that sale now. Yep. You always All right pretty, now. pretty good on that exit. I just want to say, uh, without looking at your charts, Dennis, where do you think Netflix ended 2021? Um. Oh, gosh. Where did it end 2021? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, probably like 700 bucks or something like that. that. Well, 602.44. Yeah, it's just been crushed. I mean, it got crushed down to a point where I feel like when it was in the 100s that there was value there. Now you just doubled your way out of there. And I mean, we really did. I mean, if you're coming in now, it's, you know, we were we're up from 164 back in the, you know, in the, in the spring when everybody thought this was going to zero. And there was a good opportunity there. It's where I doubled down. I actually probably tripled down at that point in time. Um, and it ended up working out for me because I had obviously bought the first you know, bit of it way too high. Um, again, valuation matters. Valuations just become stretched at this point in time. But you know, with that being said, you know, things can happen here. It's not crazy expensive like it used to be. I just, I just don't want to own stocks. I'm still at this point here. And, you know, we've been correct with this, you know, switching to the bearish theme. I didn't like it 
went the reaction of the CPI. And, you know, I was yeah. tweeting multiple times that day that I think, you know, it's not a lot of times that you should be selling the dip. But, you know, when we ripped that day was obviously the opportunity. But when we gave it all back, it was, it was a, a sign that, man, this is not looking good. And, you know, then we had, we were up the next day before Powell spoke and then Powell spoke and we've been straight down ever since. So, I mean, I think he's still got to be selling into strength. He's still got to be selling into rallies. I think there's still a lot of pain coming. And I know I'm, I'm sounding like a broken record here, but I keep saying it because we've been right about it. I think you got to be selling into strength on everything. I mean, here's my case in point here, Joel. I mean, look at Adobe. Comes out, good earnings report. Stock pops up on the good earnings report. It lasts a day. And gives it back. I mean, if you're buying the rip in this market, you are absolutely doing it backwards. Even on the stocks with good news. You know, it was good. It was up for the full day. And you're like, it's up 20 bucks. You know, here we go. Now, here we go for the bears again. It's just another opportunity to sell. And we've seen this again and again and again to the Tesla news yesterday. I mean, you'd think this was the news that all the Tesla bulls were looking for here. And then, you know, it can't even hold the gains for a day. Like, it can't hold the gains for one day here. And I know you were away there yesterday, Mitch, but I mean, I'm sure you were watching the action. I mean, you get the poll, you get him. He looks like he's going to, you know, potentially eventually step down here once he finds a successor from Twitter. (laughs) And the stock just cannot catch a bit. It cannot get any momentum going to the upside. It's, you know, getting hammered with tax loss selling now. And there is some people who anybody who bought this thing in the last couple of years is down it. It's getting hammered with just the growth story. It's getting hammered with the higher valuation. I mean, eventually there will be some point of, of a turnaround here, but stocks can't rally on good news telling me that we're not near the bottom yet. Did you see and, Gordon taking his victory lap on uh Yeah, on, on CNBC. You got to <laughs> yeah. love Gordon. I and mean, you know what? Gord Johnson comes on our show. He's been coming on our show for the better part of a decade. You know, he's one of our first people that's coming on this show. And he's hated Tesla all the way up. And he hates Tesla all the way down. So he's wrong all the way up. He's right all the way down. But you got to love his energy. I mean, who brings more energy than Gordo? You know, like he brings the energy. You? I try yeah. to bring the energy. I don't. I don't know if it's uh, an excess amount of Red Bulls. I don't know what it is, but it's something there. <laughs> Uh, in Dennis' case, it just might be waking up in the morning, but oh, yeah. that's just how it is. Well, um, when you go to bed with, uh, you know, when you probably had a light night, maybe 30, 40 positions or something, Dennis, you know, and then. Usually 60 you, or 70 is a lighter night. If I'm, if I, a heavier night would be over 100. <laughs> yeah, okay. Unfortunately, Netflix was one of those, so, and um, it's coming back a little bit here, but I've eaten the loss here. What well, do you hedge so- that with, the Q's? Yeah, it's just part of it. I mean, and you got the cues and you got a little bit. I'm doing like the index herb. So I'm like, I've got a little piece of all of it. But sometimes I'm not like an HFT. It's got it all perfectly. So, you know, you might have this a little bit heavy. You might have this a little bit. You know, I kind of, I put a little spin on it too. You know, you got a little feel on it, a little charts, a little spin. I put a little spin on the index herb. And creative arbitrage is what oh, I that's love, what it is it. creative arbitrage well it did yeah, create a little, very a little much bit here a little bit there you know <laughs> just just mix it around well it seems like dennis you are pretty much doing what our topic of the day pretty much is right what is that tax loss sell-off it seems like we've been having that. It seems like you might have just taken some tax loss. I did. I did. I did just take <laughs> some tax losses. I, I will take everything. So I typically, yeah. and this is a good thing for all you bag holders out there, 
what I typically do, everything outside the RSP. So RSP or inside, you know, that's a taxable account if you're in Ontario or Canada. You have what's called an RSP. Well, the whole account's taxable at the end of it <laughs> when you withdraw the money. So there's no writing off anything in your RSP. It's all, it's all taxable. But anything outside the RSP, I clean up the portfolio in December every year. I'm like, this was a dog, get rid of it. This was a dog, get rid of it. I heard all those losers because I'm trying to minimize my tax bill. I mean, I guess if you've got, you know, if you're not making money or if you're down on the year, then maybe you're not going to have as much tax loss selling. But there's still a lot of people that probably had okay years. You are seeing tax loss selling here coming across the board. It's been happening, but yesterday was happening even more. I mean, a stock like a firm. You got stocks like Tesla. You got stocks, you know, just just go to all the Kathy stocks. ARKK, new 52-week low yesterday. Um, the, the likely, if you're looking for seasonality, the likely turn in these things is probably January 1st when the tax loss selling is officially over. One thing to consider is that some countries, Canada being one of them, go with the settlement date or, or go with the, with, the, with the trade. Some go with the trade date like the U.S., some go with the settlement date. Like Canada goes with the settlement date. So actually, if you're Canadian, you have to sell by like two days before the, the end of the year to you know still get in there because they go with the settlement date. So technically, you can see some of that tax loss selling stop a couple days before the end of the year. But we're in tax loss harvesting season. We talked about it yesterday on the show. It continued and worked like a charm yesterday. All that usually says is the stocks that really underperformed in 2022 continue to underperform in the last week or so of the year as people are just like, yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, get rid of it. Let's minimize my tax bill. Get rid of it. And that's it. Uh, it's I silence. That I, I, was, silence I thought Joe again. was just jumping in here. Uh, but uh, Oh, he's on mute. That's what it is. Uh, he's on mute. Friend. That's I what guess. it is. I was I letting him speak. I didn't want to cut him off. I drink coffee or I drink water, so I have to... Uh, no, I know. I, I don't like slurping. I'm not, no I'm not, slurping. I like to sing about slurping. I don't like to hear slurping. Okay, next. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. All right, not that you well, slurp, but you hear people drinking it. Well, definitely, uh, I'm sure there's some tax loss going on. And, of course, uh, a lot of those names are probably in ARKK. There's a reason why I'm long the Sark. The Sark? You're long the Sark. I'm Sarking it right now, man. I'm Sarking it. Look at that monthly chart on the bottom right. Joe would have been proud of me. I took this bad boy. One thing I'll say is, why not just short ARK as opposed to going long Sark? So I'm going to just, you know, it's a little rant here. And Mm -hmm. obviously, you know. Maybe it's Robin Hood because, you know, you can't short stocks. I don't know if they ever changed that rule. But Borrowing costs. I just never – people always ask me about these products, these short products. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would I use those? Why would I not just short the stock? Why would I go and buy a Tesla inverse stock when I just short the stock? So, from I mean, the way I that it, it was though, created. Can't. It's a way to get around rules and – yeah, from the Whatever, way it was but... created, it was meant because the borrowing uh, from uh, ARC is more expensive than going long SARC from what the intentions of the creation of the ETF were, uh, Dennis. So looks like borrowing costs on ARC sometimes are expensive. So some that's why SARC was created. Okay, so it's trying to get uh, trying to help with those borrowing costs. Yes. Okay. There's always going to be a little underperformance in these things, though, because if you look, ARKK is making new lows, but SARC is not making new highs. That's so why I'm is, playing the and, lag. And that's with borrowing costs. <laughs> I'm sure they do it all through swaps, so there's going to be spreads that they're paying to get these positions on all the time. Daily rebalancing happening in some of these things. I don't know if it's on SARC. I don't know how it's all structured. I haven't looked at it all. But, you know, you just got to watch on some of these yeah. products. There is some expenses to continue to run them. 
as you know, you've got, you know, spreads are paying and moving and it's not just as simple as we're just, you know, short all of, you know, the, the main components here, but borrowing costs are always an issue. And it's been an issue since 2007, 2008, especially on some of those thinner names that are really hated. Yeah. Depending on the account that it's in, too, if it's oh, yeah. in an IRA lots account. Of, lots of variables here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I noticed that that SARC, yeah, it's not, uh, hasn't even reached it really an underperformance. I guess people got real excited when this thing, uh, and when was this? When um, They just uh, underperformed over bucks. Yeah. to run it. So you're never going to be clean. Because, mm-hmm. like Mitch says, the borrowing costs. I'm sure they do it through swaps. I don't know. Again. Yeah, they do it through swaps. We have Matt Tuttle. Sure. We can have him on the show. Matt's great. Yeah. I, I, I speak with Matt. He's awesome. We love you, Matt. Um, it's the cost. I'm going to perform a little bit there. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're running a product. There's there's costs involved in shorting stocks. It's not just you don't get the whole thing. When I short stocks, every single month at the end of the year or, or every single month, I get you know my bill like it shows up daily, but then they calculate it all, and you can and it and you know you got the short every single day actually. You're paying short interest, so you're paying you know interest. You do get some money back in, but you know the way the brokers do it, it's kind of you know sucks that if you're long short, you know they give you the credit on your long positions, but they charge you the debit on your short positions, but they charge you different rates, so they grab <laughs> a spread there too. So you could be actually net long, like I could be like. I'm short more stocks on long, so I actually have more cash, you know, in my account. But because they do it on the debits and the credits, I actually still get a fee in there because it's more expensive on the short side. But then there's not only the interest, but there's the borrowing costs as well because you got to go out, you got to find the stock, you got to borrow it, and those borrowers get paid. The nice thing about IB is that you can actually lend your securities too, and they give you half of it. So I didn't know if you realized that, Joel, but IB is one of the oh, only really? brokers that passes that through. So if you're actually uh, if they're borrowing from you, know, if you uh, lend out your stock, they give you half of that. Obviously, they're doing work in the background, the computer mm-hmm. is, but they give you half of it, which is kind of nice. So I'm in that program where if I've got some longs, you know, they give you a little bit of fees for you know lending out your stocks. I'm just running through some of the beaten down names in ARKK here, uh, like uh, Fate, um, and, uh, and I'll scroll back a little bit so you guys can see the price action. This is late, and a lot of these companies are just hard hit down and not looking good tesla's down on the rsi to 1180 um put it this way not doesn't happen very often at all there for tesla eventually i feel like we will get a bounce but that doesn't mean that it has to happen today right i, I thought Same it was going to happen yesterday yeah Joel, we we thought when you were away match like yeah we're like this is the this is the news that the bulls needed I would have thought, other things being equal, if you know he ran a poll and said he's basically you know going to abide by the poll, so meaning he's going to step down, I would think Tesla would pop ten percent on that. It popped three percent, four percent, and then they gave it all back. It's just there's so much more going on here than just the fact that you know the the bears have been like blaming Tesla or the bulls have been blaming Tesla or blaming Twitter for their Tesla performance. Blame, blame, blame. Meanwhile. A lot of this is just multiple contraction. A lot of this is just recession fears. There's a multiple things knocking Tesla down, Twitter being one of them, but maybe not as much as we think it is. Because, you know, it's trained 40, 50 times earnings. And yeah, I know going forward, they're calling 27, 28. Those forward earnings are on projection zone. If we go into a recession, there's going to be a lot, you know, th- those numbers that they're projecting may not grow nearly as much as what these bullish analysts who are paid to be bullish are 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 going to be so you look there you think ah you know 27 times on bullish forecasts here i don't know 
I don't know if those forecasts are going to hold. And then if there's damage happening to the brand, which is a whole other problem with the Twitter, you know, I, I you know, there could be, you know, there, I don't think it's going to sell less cars next year, but I think the, the growth that some of these analysts are forecasting for next year is not going to be there. You know, you don't hear much from, uh, you know, uh, like Ron Barron, you know, they, when, uh, you know, when Tesla was, you know, piping up and I don't know, before the splits and the, you know, and the outrageous mm-hmm. price targets and now, and, and you know what we, and I know people say, you know, that, that we pick on her, but like, we never mentioned Kathy anymore. Does she still publish her? She, she just her- bought some more. Don't worry. It's okay. She hasn't, she hasn't fr- changed her tune at all, Joel. She just bought some Bomb more at Tesla. Tesla? Dennis, yeah. do you even pay any attention to those that, that email anymore with their buys? It doesn't, no, I unsubscribed. Yeah. She's irrelevant, so I've unsubscribed to it. So yeah, well, yeah, you had the Kathy. You do the opposite. The buys the, oh, she bought something that's going to pop. Nothing moves when she buys it now. She has no play. That's why it's even getting worse for her. Mark yeah. Shake said that a year ago. She's becoming irrelevant. He was absolutely correct. They don't talk about her much on CNBC anymore. We don't talk about her much anymore. The worst thing for you is to become irrelevant. It's one thing to be wrong, and everybody's talking about how you've been wrong. It's a way worse thing to become irrelevant because then people are not even just interested at all, and that's bad. But, I mean, let's be honest here. She's talking – now she's talking – did you see her interview like a week ago? She's talking about ARKK and saying she thinks this could go up 30-fold. Her fund can go up 30-fold, I think she said, in the next 10 years. 30 times she's looking. She's looking to make 3,000% on her fund in the next 10 years. That's what she's saying now. So she says basically ARK is going to be a $1,000 ETF is what she's calling now. But if you just call it what it is, she was a one-trick pony. She had Tesla. (laughs) She put a lot of eggs in that one basket. She made this crazy price target, and it came to fruition, and it made her a Wall Street darling. What has she done? Besides that Tesla crazy call, which had no business being up there anyways. But, it, you know, she called it right. She got it right. Tesla grew like crazy. That was good. But, you know, obviously now you look and you think all of her other stuff she's bought. She's trying to call all these other Teslas have all been bad. She's under she's Roku. down. <laughs> like, I mean, look at, look at, go far enough out. I mean, Air KK is where it was in 2017. She's massively underperforming the Qs. So you can't say, oh, yeah, it's just a bad year for her. No, it's she's had some awesome years. Tesla drove the bus. It was all Tesla performance. Her other stocks got on the hot stories, and everybody's like, anything she buys is going to go up. And it just didn't work out that way. She paid too much for growth. Hey, she was uh, a part and also the downturn in the bubble. That's the way I feel like it was. But people um, think she's going to turn it around. Well, the bubble would have to come so. back. And I don't think the bubble's any, anywhere think, near. We're not in economic expansion. Well, let, let's have a fun session and go through our top holdings. Let's just do it, Joel. You know, we've got some time here. The markets aren't too crazy. We can They're just do it stable. very simply. Just let's go to the ARKK top. top holdings, Mitch. Maybe you can even show them. Do you have like a list where you can grab them from? Yeah, I can. I, I, I know them pretty much. Zoom, Roku, and then... Yeah, we know them. Down, but let's just but look at the actual I'll list. Let's get here. a feel. We'll go to the main one, the, the, the flagship fund, ARKK. Okay, I got it right here. The number right one holding in that is now Zoom. Ouch. The number one holding, and there's some value there. They have some cash. It's not a zero. They, you know, were the pandemic darling. But what have they done besides create the Zoom product, which everybody else has now created in the competition? I mean, we started this show on Zoom, and we're on StreamYard. We moved to something that was cooler. So, I mean, there's so much competition there. Zoom, really tough. It- 
You know, she's talking about disruptive technologies. Zoom disrupted for about a year, but it's not disruptive anymore. Why is it still there? Why is it her number one holding? Why does she continue to buy it? I hope she's listening because I'll tell you what, Zoom video is not disruptive technology. So this is supposed to be disruptive. It was disruptive. It should have been sold when it became not disruptive because there's other things disrupting Zoom. StreamYard that we're using right now disrupted Zoom. You've got Microsoft Teams is majorly disrupting Zoom. So 9.38% of her fund is in a, is supposed to be disruptive technologies. I wouldn't even say that's disruptive anymore. So, and then Exact Sciences, which had a nice pop there a couple of days ago. Did Sellers she get right this on Thursday? Did Sell she the buy this on the pop? I think she bought this on the pop, man. That's what she doesn't buy the crazy. pop. No way. She only buys dips. Uh, if she did, she that's She gave crazy. it all the way back. I, oh, I'm boy. looking right now, but... I... It says, uh, oh, she sold a little bit on the pop. She was trying to add some more to her Tesla, so she took some profits. Can't blame she her. She wants to buy Tesla. She got 7.44% Tesla, but Tesla's yeah. still not cheap. Tesla will be, Tesla is not a zero. Tesla is disruptive. Tesla still fits the bill. I think she should still own some Tesla because it's her fun. Roku, well, Roku, how do you get streaming television? Yeah, a lot of us use Roku, but there's all kinds of other things disrupting Roku now. That's mm-hmm. the same story. The yeah. one-trick pony, they got the little thing you hook up so you can get on, you know, um, and you're streaming. Well, they're all built into the TVs. Some of them are Roku devices built into the TVs, but some of them are not. We're all going streaming. It's all being built in. It's TiVo Part 2. And, and we've been saying that for a long time. We're being proven correct. So, sorry. That's getting disrupted. Made a new 52-week low yesterday. Deservingly so. I love Square. It's her fifth holding. I like Block. It is disruptive technologies, but the valuation's still too extreme. She's paid too much for it. I originally bought this thing at $35 and I sold it at $65 because I thought that was a pretty good move. Then it went to $300. <laughs> so I obviously sold it way too soon. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on these holdings here, Joel? They're all the same story. They're they're just all, all the charts look the same. All, all these charts they're look all the destroyed. same. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing yeah. to be able to pick them this bad. Like, I don't know how it's even possible to actually be able to pick them this bad. Is there any money manager that's going to have a performance? What is her fund down? It's like 85%. Is there anybody doing that bad? Anyone? I mean, she's still getting some inflow somehow. People want to think it's going to turn around. But yeah. I think a lot of these things, I think Tesla could stabilize and eventually go high. So let's just look at her top 10 hold. I think Tesla could stabilize, maybe eventually go higher, but it's still too expensive for me. I think Square could stabilize, find and eventually go higher. I think Zoom is getting disrupted. I don't know if follow the exact sciences story. I think Roku goes a lot lower. Path, I don't know what the hell Path even is. Shopify is in there. I like Shopify. There's a few stocks I like. She started mixing in a lot of health in this one, and I think that that's where also her demise will come from. I think that she's uh, depending way too much on therapeutic stocks, on genomic stocks, and I think that in the long run, that technology is going to take longer than she expects. Um, so that's my only problem here. Um, I understand some of her outlook and, you know, buying Tesla. She thinks, it's, you know, it's yeah. the best EV. Roku, I, I think it's she the best thinks it's company. a disruptor in streaming. Block, she thinks it's the best payment, like kind of payment uh, platform. And then when you look at the other ones, it's just, I think it's just bets to the upside. Like this exact sciences, it's just a bet to the upside with a biotech. And I think, you know, in the long run with these kind of uh, companies underneath ARC, uh, they can always go bad right especially the healthcare stocks something goes bad next thing you know they get hit hard i think it's too much risk 
I know I wouldn't want to be well, a all, part of ARKK. It's, it's all still valuation. And, you know, multiple contractionists just murdered her and paying too much for these companies. You know, that yeah. was the problem. I love some of these companies. I don't own any of them because they're all still too expensive. Even so here, Square? Square? Even Square is what? Uh, maybe 30 times? It's it, gone reasonable. Bad. Maybe it'd be, I could see you making money in Square. I could see you buying at 60 in 10 years from now. I think Square is higher. I don't think it's 30 fold. She's saying some of these things. What's going up 30 fold in her fund? Not Roku, not Zoom, Tesla. It's Tesla's not going up 30 fold from it's here. Not. What is it going to sell? Every it's got to get into some other stuff if it's going up 30 fold from here. Shopify Yo. is a fantastic company. I could see Shopify going up significantly, but again, it's the same story. It's too expensive here in this market. It's way too expensive. Square so, benefited from the uh, from the Bitcoin. When, I just uh, don't see no 30x here happening in 10 years in a lot of these stocks. So if she's going to go 30x. She needs to like get that's, some different stocks. That's, in here. I mean, 30, it's just I mean, nonsense is what it is. It's nonsense. She's just talking, trying to talk up her book and get more people to come in. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm down 80% this year, but eventually we're going to be up 30 times and be so happy you invested in me. It's just hopeful talk, it's just gibberish. Wow. Uh, All right. Anyways, we, we should lose at 60. Uh, it had good support, uh, several, uh, three lows at 60. It's breaking through there now. Unfortunately, your next daily low doesn't come into 5709 yeah. is your next daily low on this. But let's see if the bulls come back and uh, defend this uh, $60 level. Uh, but you know, still, uh, tax loss selling. Uh, this yeah. ended 2021. I, I don't own man, okay, oh, so full disclosure chat saying why do you like Square so much? I'm just saying I could see Square as being an okay one. I don't own Square. I don't like mm. the valuation. I don't yeah. own I'm looking at all ten of these. I own zero of these. The only way I would indirectly is maybe through spy. And I'm mad that they put Tesla in there at that high price. I don't own one of these stocks, not a one. You know why? Because they're all expensive. So valuation all right, matters. Let's get back to the overall market. Yeah. We can talk about what happened in Japan. Of course, uh, there was news that came out that happened to shake the markets up. We were up a little bit on this news, but didn't really hold on. We'll see what happens in the overall market. Seems like we're just going sideways right now. Uh, the Bank of Japan caught markets off guard by tweaking its yield curve, allowing the yield on the 10-year uh, uh, GB to move 50 basis points either side of its 0% target. Uh, they said that this is going to improve market functions, encourage a smoother formation of the entire yield curve while maintaining accommodative financial conditions. What do we dun, have dun, at 830 dun. here? We're taking another leg down. S&Ps are falling. Housing starts down 0.5%. I mean, housing yeah, starts haven't really moved right now, markets market. too much. I think the market's liking to attach itself to anything that's negative right now. So, uh, of course, housing has been coming down, about, down about 30%. I think in the long run, we need to keep in mind about housing. I know that some people think that, you know, this isn't going to be 2008 financial crisis. But in the long run, with interest rates held high and the way that we're looking on housing, I'm not so sure that, you know, we can just quickly say that this isn't 2008. Because in the long run, if the demand is going down, interest rates are going to be higher for a longer period of time. Who's buying a house? That would oh, be my outlook there. I know these home builders, we had the one, you know, we've had multiple people I've seen it on CNBC 
Uh, I have a graph here for jumping us on here. there saying buy the home builders. You know, they're so cheap. You know, they're looking at five, six times earnings. There's a reason, though, these things are trading five, six times earnings. And that's because a lot of people aren't going to be able to afford to build homes going into the next year. So I think the home builders are fantastic sells. The Lennar has come up a long ways here. I think it's going to be an awful back half of 2023 for the home builders. I just know the stuff. I went through it. And obviously, I went on custom home, so it's more money. But stuff is expensive. Like, they're building. It's so expensive. And I just can't see who's going to be the person when mortgage rates are at 5%. Who's yeah. coming in and building these homes? Yes, they have the contracts, you know, from last year. But people are people signing up for new contracts? Are they going to be coming in here and, and you know, spending, you know, the, the amount? Yeah, lumber's come down a little bit, but labor hasn't come down at all. That's a and labor. That's, a that's, yeah, that's portion. it. The labor yep. will not come down. Labor yep, is sticky. People don't take pay cuts. So if you think that all of a sudden you're going to get labor to come back down like lumber did, that is not going to happen. It's now the steel costs of way up, the windows, you know, every single thing that goes into a house is so much more expensive than it was two and a half years ago. So I can't see why people are going to be coming and saying, yeah, I want to build a house. My, my brother-in-law, case in point, was looking at building an addition on his house. He got the quotes and his jaw is hitting the thing. Because he's like, you know, they're expecting it here, and you get the quotes over here, and you're like, this is insane. So he's like, so what he did was he just turned around and bought, bought a different house. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think it's going to be a very, very bad year for the home builders. I think they're all value traps. That is my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not in the future. I didn't become Marty McFly and fly to the future. I don't know for certain. Nobody knows anything for certain. We're all making educated guesses. But with interest rates higher, Logic says people are going to not have as much money to buy to buy all these you know new homes. So well, I think the whole thing is going to have a very also bad have to year. Worry about the people that are on the you know the variable rates too. You know are that's going to come do... to roost. Yeah, that's going to come to roost yep. eventually. Even on a five-year fixed. Well, at five years, if rates stay up for the foreseeable future, that will become a problem. And the I lag mean, effect, the variable right? rate has went. Where is it, Joel? Where is Prime? Six and a half, seven. Yes, that would soon be 10. It looks like it. Um, I, I mean, can't. this is the, the home builders, I think, are the one place. It's an unbelievable rally. The reason they've rallied is because people are just dumb and they look at what is a low PE. Oh, the home builders have a low PE. I want to buy low PE stuff. Look mm-hmm. out a little bit farther. Is this, I would like healthcare low PE, more sustainable. I don't want to come in here and, you know, be buying home builders. That when you go into a recession, this is ground zero for people yeah. not doing stuff. So I think yeah, you remember Zillow? Kind of rough year. <laughs> they, they, we had Pulte. Pulte was on, on CNBC, and obviously he's not part, you know, the Bill Pulte. You follow him on CNBC, the philanthropist, fantastic person, fantastic person. He was on CNBC, and he was saying it was going to be a rough year for the home builders. Who's going to know it better than Bill Pulte, the grandson of the person who created the whole thing? You know, Pulte Homes. So yeah. I think. I, I'd be very, very cautious falling for the value trap of home builders. Keep an eye on 45 in Pulte. I just uh, took a look at it, had the nice pop. Uh, everything everything popped on the on that uh, CPI number. I broke out for 45, uh, bounced off at one time. Now you're coming down again. So don't know how many Pulte home traders we have, but uh, not holding 45 here. Uh, next daily low is under 44. Um, in Pulte Homes. And I was just looking at the 
HXB as well. Just, uh, you know, that clinging to 60 bucks here. Uh, that was a low yesterday. You got some air underneath that uh, down to 58. So they had a nice rally. Now, just like <laughs> everything else, man, that, that, uh, that, that CPI data, that high. The S&Ps are now 340 handles off that high from a week ago, a week ago today. Unbelievable. Big decline heading into uh, the end of the year. S&Ps are shrugging off, shrugging off that number, uh, trying to go green once again. Trying here. Again, let's just take it back, though. We're in this market here, and we're going to go to our guest here right now. We'll get on Angie, but I just want to finish mm -hmm. the point. I mean, you're kind of feeling like, I feel like this is a little bit of the death by a thousand cuts phase, where we're down 2 3%. Then the next day, we're down 2 3%. It's been like, S&P's been down 2%, 2%. And all of a sudden, you're like, Joel. We just lost 10% in a week. And Chip, nobody's talking about away. it. This is yep. like they're chipping away at it. It's not just been straight down. There's been a few little rallies in there. But holy mackerel, this has been an ugly that's, five days. That's how you know that more than likely that last price action. And this is the bad part. It was probably that dead cat bounce, right? I mean, we, we consider dead cat bouncing. A, a lot of that really that whoosh right back up. Tight consolidation. And look at the move back down. I think when it whooshes back down, that just shows us more and more that the price action was actually towards that bottom. We just played a bounce. And now the only thing that we need to watch out for is those lows. Do we go breaking through those lows? Sometime maybe 3500. It just seems like you're chipping away. But uh let we let's talk some let's talk some commodities here uh, with Angie no. Setzer. Let's do it. Good morning, Angie. You fried Good up morning. some you fried up some bacon this morning. Whatever it takes <laughs> to generate the, an audience, right? That's, uh, that's <laughs> one, so. all right. So, just what a chipper day here. What do you want to talk about? China demand questions, a hawkish a Bank of Japan, or right? Brazilian corn export? Uh, <laughs> Brazilian corn exports. Uh, Pick your poison here this morning, Angie. Well, I mean, I think your Brazilian corn exports fit nicely in with Chinese demand. But I mean, when it comes down to it, we're talking about the slow grind that, that you guys were talking about. And I think if you look at, you know, a, a wheat chart, a corn chart, the only thing right now that seems to be kind of just managing to defy gravity has been soybeans, at least uh -huh. since late summer. Um, in, so I don't have them, I can pull them all up separately, but I'm not one of those people that's going to throw a bunch of charts at you. I wish I was, but I think <laughs> when we, we talk about a lot of what's going on, like we're in, in, in the commodity space, we're in a sort of transition as well. Um, we're moving from what was a, a really sharp increase in demand that was exacerbated by some reductions in global supply availability. And then we have all of these issues that are starting to arise with inflation and, and the outside money coming in and, and this, that, and the other thing. And so right now we're sitting here kind of trying to figure out, do we see a transition away from what has been um, tight ending stocks, tight supply availability, questions about our ability to really kind of provide food, even though I, I've always felt that those questions were a bit um, dramatic. Like we have we have more than enough to cover what we need. It's just a matter of getting there, getting it there. Um, but do we see this move away from the the rallies, the 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 multi-year highs? You know, you've kind of encouraged significant production increases out of Brazil. You're seeing much tighter relationships with China and other uh, global suppliers, Russia, Brazil, Argentina. Um, and so the U.S. is sitting here kind of wondering, you know, U.S. farmers, what happens next? What happens as we move ahead into 2023? And at this point, 
uh, a weather surprise would be the only bullish thing that we we'd really be looking at. Angie, I know we had a conversation uh, during different courses of the pandemic, and you, you said, don't worry, we're not going to run out of food. You know, we got, don't worry about that, Joel, and uh, assuage my fears. Uh, but I just want to get your take on, you know, the, you know where the commodity prices are, um, the data that, that we got last week, and also, you know, the different factors, and it feels like I look at these charts I it feels like inflation's coming in, at least in reflecting these commodity prices. I mean, I know you look at the equities as well, but you know, we had a good number. I know Powell's saying he's still pounding the table here. Do you just think, you know, I don't you think we've turned a lot, except for the beans, the beans are still in the teens and that chart uh, still looks, looks strong, but man, oh man, I mean, what what's right? Is it is it right that we got the pop that inflation's coming in, or is it right that Powell just says no? I don't care what that last number is. I'm still keeping my foot on the pedal, and so far the market's taking his cue. Yeah, and I think they have to. I mean, the, we've really been under this sort of um, you know don't fight the Fed right since like two, I, mm-hmm. I mean I've thought that or I've been told that because I've been kind of I'm like these what the Fed's doing you can't this unsustainable we're going to run into these sort of situations right I, I I've been one that is is almost been fighting the Fed to a certain extent and everyone said don't fight them well why are we doing that now why do we continue to kind of focus on this sort of pivot this idea that things are going to turn around I mean truly I feel like the at least if you look at the the speculator position, the the outside money that's worked its way into commodities, you know, you've seen speculators make their their move into the short side of wheat. Uh, they're actually the shortest they've been since May of 19. Uh, corn, we saw one of the biggest weekly sell-offs and in, in outside money interest uh, a couple weeks back that we had seen since August of of 20. Um, you know, so we've had some some exits, some some pretty mass exoduses of of that outside money um, that we had seen come in. And now we just kind of sit here and wait to see what happens, which a lot of that hinges on South America. We've got some issues in Argentina. And then, of course, the million dollar question becomes, when does that Chinese demand return? And yeah, does for- it to the U.S.? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely, especially China. I, that That's that's a whole nother game of mixed signals. Um, but when it comes to inflation. What do you expect that could be having some trouble next year? And what do you expect that, no, this is looking a lot better than the situation that we had going into last year? If you mean, uh, you know, from a, a pricing standpoint or you mean yes. from like a supply pricing standpoint, I think what we're, we'll see is, is uh, I think the energy costs are going to come down, which will help domestically. Speaking mm-hmm. of distance, diesel specifically because that has had a big influence on you know the farmer uses everything we everything yeah. in agriculture basically uh kind of revolves around energy and, and distillates you know and so i think we'll start to see that come down i think you're seeing fertilizer prices start to come lower um you've seen the un really push as part of the deal the black sea trade agreement or the black sea grain corridor agreement is to start really kind of pushing russian fertilizer supplies into the global market structure we had seen our trade um commission basically roll back sanctions or tariffs that they had put on russian fertilizer prior to the whole entire invasion that came off in the last couple three months here where they were like never mind um so i think you'll see some input costs start to come down for the u.s farmer um or at the very least it's not going to increase so that's one of the things that i think would be a positive um but unfortunately i think it's going to be tied with probably future lower commodity prices grain prices soybean prices 
it, wheat feels low for, for everything that we've been looking at, but uh, it's still historically elevated. I mean, you could say it's a dollar, $2 higher than where we've traditionally seen wheat trade. So I'm not going to say that it can't move lower. I've seen this game before. I was here mm -hmm. in 0809. I was here in 1314. You know, we we had some pretty significant shifts in, in monetary policy, obviously, 0809. And then we had, um, you know, a, a shift in, in supply concerns in 13 and 14. You know, and so I, I'm never going to say that things can't move lower than they anticipate. But I feel like you will start to see uh, at least the ag space really calmed down here, especially as the global end user kind of recognizes we aren't going to run out of stuff. Like we have enough. We just have to make sure that we have enough cash to get it moved around. What about at the store? Should I expect any prices going down in the grocery stores? Uh, you hope so, but I've never hold my breath. It's kind of like what we joke about in ag. I say inputs mm -hmm. are coming down, but we always joke that once they go up, it's hard to get them back down. That's true. That is true. Angie, what what about the weather? I mean, doesn't it seem like it just gets more and more unpredictable? I'm so – I mean, people are having – I don't even have any kids in school, but, like, you, if you're a kid in Michigan, you got to be bummed because, like, <laughs> oh, you're missing all these snow days. I haven't even had a, a snow day on the radar. I mean, right? this weather has become so unpredictable. Is that, you know, how's that affecting the upcoming planning season? And, uh, you know, what are they saying out there in the fields? Yeah, I mean, right now it's winter. Uh, we're still real dry across a large portion of the Western Corn Belt. Um, my cattle friends have taught me um, that the best time to have a drought is in the winter. So they're not overly worried. We'd like to see that kind of transition before the spring. Um, you know, we're looking at a potential breakdown in La Nina. And so La Nina has basically set a record by being present in the global atmospheric and oceanic conditions for the last three years. La Nina tends to create uh, droughts, especially along the, the western portion of the United States, California, into, you know, east to the Mississippi. You've seen it really um, hit Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, which has hit our U.S. wheat production. Um, and then you've seen an impact. That's been part of what we've had as an issue in South America for the last three years is you had that Brazilian production issue in, in 20, which was La Nina caused. And then you had Southern Brazil and, and Argentina last year. And now we're kind of seeing that center a lot right on Argentina. And so the idea is that we'll see that breakdown as we work January out into the spring. And then hopefully we, we continue to see it kind of transition over into more of an El Nino type atmosphere, atmospheric conditions, which would be good for production and really kind of help bolster those global stocks that we've been worried about. All right. And uh, just uh, the Ukraine, uh, the war, uh, wheat prices, I looked, they topped up over out over $14. Now they're cutting half on that. Um, really not the desire to, I mean, what, you know, over speculation there. I hope you're selling those forward contracts as fast as you can. Uh, no one talks about the war anymore. Just talk about the, the short and long-term impact of the war in Ukraine on wheat and other commodity prices. Yeah, I think we get some bounces, but I think you've noticed that the headline rally, that, you know, the headline bounces don't last near as long and they're nowhere near as deep. You know what I mean? So we had the Russia pull out of the export corridor. We topped nine bucks on the July and then just really kind of promptly fell apart. Um, and so I feel like kind of what I said earlier 
the global end user knows that they're able to source supplies, at least at this point, the, the worry of us being out of food or not being able to access it, you know, was really kind of something that was more of a dramatic, like worst case scenario outlook. Um, and so the reality is we, we know we'll be able to get it. We just have to be patient. We have to be able to access the cash. You know, you've got a bunch of world leaders that are kind of working behind closed doors. And so I think one of the things that we saw with Russia pulling out and kind of within three days, the UN working on getting them back in um, is that Russia is going to push this as far as they can, but they can't limit fertilizer. They need the fertilizer exports out of their country. They need those grain exports out of their country. It's the best way for them to generate cash. And so they're going to push it as far as they can right. without completely shutting it down. All right. Sounds like you got a unhappy one there in I'm the a background. Very angry child on my hands. Someone needs to call Santa. <laughs> okay, Angie Center, co-founder, partner, Consus ROI LLC, joining us here in pre-market prep to discuss the commodity markets. Angie, always a pleasure. I always say I'm going to make it out. You're not too far away from there. I'm going to do that in 2023. Check out the operation. Well, Thanks add it for on the to-do list. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Okay, Have thank a good you, Angie. One, Angie. Triple right. D, you're back. You're back. You're back. Oh, I was there on listening. He's in the yeah. cave. He's in the cave. That's I'm trying a little damage control here on these S&Ps chopping around here. So I've worked out They're of the Netflix damage huh? control, but we got to work out all the other damage here this morning. It's a damaging day. Get chop that with fest. trading. That's what I'd say. What's that? Uh, what do you say, uh, man? Chop, chop fest. That's what I say. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's go to General fest. Mills, though. Are you getting your cereal this morning? Uh, let's take a look at General Mills as they reported earnings today. Um, their EPS coming in at a dollar ten, beating the dollar six estimates. Sales at five point two two billion, beat the five point one nine billion estimate. They raised uh, fiscal year twenty three organic net sales growth expectations from six to seven percent now to eight to nine percent, and also raised EPS growth expectations from two to five percent now at four to six percent. So, uh, raised guidance stock that has been really strong. And look what they do to it in the pre-market. Trading 21 times forward earnings. I mean, why not be in cash? You want to buy this? What? If you're really worried, if you're so worried about a recession next year, yes, General Mills will hold up well. You know what I held up better? Cash. So the Tina trade here. Um, it's had a ridiculous run, General Mills. It's been unbelievable. Unwarranted, in my opinion. This is just people that money managers that have to stay in stocks that are moving from growth and trying to find like safety. I need some safety. And they're moving into this. I think this loses no matter what going forward. And maybe I'm wrong, you know, but um, I just think like if we don't go into a recession, this stock gets hit because if it's crowded and safe. And if we do go into a hard recession, they come for all stocks. So I think if you're looking at General Mills, look to cash instead. That's my opinion. Stocks come down here. If it was down at 70, 65, getting down to like 16, 17 times earnings, a little more reasonable, but it's trading 21 times forward earnings here. It's not cheap. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in this environment where money is free. I think there's better places. I think cash, if you're looking for safety, I'd rather be in cash than GIS. 
Street leaning the wrong way into this one, rallying stock the last two days, just might even uh, created a new all-time closing high uh, in yesterday's red tape at 87.12. That's it. Well, actually, all-time closing high, 87.33, so anywhere in that 87 area on a pop. The bottom of yesterday's range, 86.53, we're well below that. I'll give that uh, two-star resistance. And on the dailies, if you're, you know... I, I don't know how a lot, you know, how many people are short this, but there's nothing until 82 and a half. Now I know that's another two bucks away. Uh, this does have, you know, kind of crazy uh, bounces. I've, you know, and retracements sometimes when it way up, it comes in and when it's way down, it rebounds. But uh, if I was really trying to get this on the cheap over the next couple of days, I'd be out there a little bit of hair ahead of those uh, trio of lows at 82 40 ish and, 82.50, but uh, once again, street leaning the wrong way into this report, and uh, it's down on 98,000 shares. All right, let's get into Lucid as they announced uh, a capital raise of approximately 1.515 billion. Um, of course, not uh, my capital. It, it is getting a little bit of a push up here, it's gone down to seven dollars. I think it could get maybe a little bit of a push. Based on this news, but how long and how far can it go? I don't even give it past eight today, but well, we'll see what happens today. All these rallies have just been selling opportunities for all these stocks. We've hated Lucid. Yeah. I put a five dollar. I said I I said and obviously I don't price targets and stuff, but I Lucid dreaming. Remember back in the summer it was like thirty five, and I was saying <laughs> this thing could go to five bucks, like it could because it's that overvalued. We're at yep. seven, so I'm going to stick with my thing that I think this could go to under five bucks. Are they going to go bankrupt? Some of them are. I don't know if Lucid's going to be the one, but the value, they don't make, you know, companies that don't make money, they just don't want them. Now, I don't know if that changes. Maybe if we go, they start lowering interest rates again. But until the Fed actually does talk about pivoting, I don't think you want to own any of these stocks. Got to pop to 780. That uh, is right around your three day high at 782. Uh, so you backed off on that. Uh, new low. Uh, New all-time low yesterday at uh, 7.05. Uh, maybe you'll find if you go into retreat, I'm sure a lot of people would like to see uh, that close from yesterday at 7.23. I'm just looking back at this one, and it just had that super long consolidation period uh, right around between 9.50 and 10.50, and then it broke down. Big string of lower highs. That's going to probably be broken today. But, you know, it just, it, like, when they, they do these offerings and these capital raises, like, who was the one that uh, uh, did it? The uh, Novavax, right? I mean, you know, how do they get people to give them money? You know, with the <laughs> kind of still find them. Yeah, I, I just. Them. Somehow, somehow, just, some way, man. Unless. They're getting some unbelievable rate of return. They They're can... getting higher rates for sure, yeah. but I don't know if it warrants the risk. I think some some cases they're you know getting like you know there some cases they're probably getting 13, 14, 15 percent maybe. I don't know in the Novavax case, Whew. but I, I for me to put my money in there, I'd want twenty. I I I wouldn't do it even at twenty percent. I wouldn't give Novavax yeah, yeah, at twenty percent. Wow. No way. What if you had to do between Novavax and Lucid at twenty percent? Which one would you take? Oh gosh. <laughs> Or beyond me. Probably lucid. <laughs> no, about, but, uh, Novavax is selling a vaccine that nobody like we we, we don't have ago, the vaccine. Two years ago. We needed it two years ago. Holy I, I, I got something for us here. I got something for us here. What this is got, gonna be a, a race between a lucid, 
a Tesla Plaid, and I think an Audi R8. I think that's what's in this video. Uh, but supposedly nice the Lucid wins here. I've talked about it on my Twitter that I think this is it might be a little BS on the low, but who knows? Let's see. Let's take a look right quick. Are you are you bullish this Lucid? This is a, a quarter. Who, who, who's gonna win, man? Who's gonna win? I feel like the Lucid's not the But look at that. The Lucid's on the right. Tesla Plaid on the middle. Lucid, baby! That's what they're saying here. Look at that. Look at that Lucid take off. Look at that. Hey, who the hell's buying a car like that? That's it. <laughs> 2023. Yeah, that's that's the top of my list. And you know something, and and here's a conversation too. Obviously, we're getting towards the end of the show, but I was talking to uh, (laughs) another friend up here. He's uh, he runs uh, uh, does like major landscaping for like a lot of you know rich people, and he's like, people are pissed off. He's like, he's like, like, well, I'm like, you must still be doing pretty because the rich are the rich, right? And they're still going to do their jobs. He's like, you won't believe it. He's like, people are mad that the stock market has been hit. And they're losing a lot of money and stuff, and then they're backing off on projects just because they, they can afford to do it, he was saying still, but they're just mad. So they're not doing these projects. So, and somebody was saying that on CNBC yesterday when the rich get ticked off enough, they just shut off their spending. They're just like, no, nah, I'm mad. I'm like, not buying that lucid. I'm not bu- doing that big landscaping mm-hmm. project. I'm not doing this, you know, other project here because, you know, we lost a lot of money in the market. I'm just pissed off. Not that yeah. they can't afford to do it, but they just get pissed off about and it. And they can wait for interest rates and they to come can down, right? And they, they don't. Can wait. They don't need to be buying at high interest rates. They can just wait. And, and well, they, they don't, don't even. If to. you're rich, maybe you don't even need. Maybe the interest rates don't impact you. Yeah, you're, you're buying class. cash. <laughs> but I think I think you're gonna have some of that happening. Like at the end of the year, people are like, "Holy, you know, I lost this much in the stock market. I'm not buying that lucid right now. Nope. Yeah. Just mad about it." So, I mean, that stuff can get hit, too. So, I just think it's a tough environment. I think it's a cool car. I think yeah. if we were in free money environment here and lower interest rates, I think maybe I would be long lucid at this price. But the recipe or the macro environment just doesn't add up for me to go and get excited about buying lucid stock, even though it seems cheap relative to where it was. Is there anywhere safe? Growth? Value? Health? Health? Drugs? Yeah. Okay. So go low PE and look for jug stocks on significant pullbacks. It's why they've been unbelievable performers. Again, they've run too far. Like I said, I just want my mark. They've kind of run too far, but we're going to eventually get a pullback in the drugs. You know, you're getting one in Gilead today. Not saying I'm buying the initial dip here in Gilead. Um, but it, but um, and I have no position in it. But it, it had drug news that came out. You're going to get opportunities here. There's going to be pullbacks in the drug names. I think that's where you want to focus. I think that's where you want to go because the, the the P's are all fairly low as well. Some of them are a little bit overextended, but they've just had such big runs. I need pullbacks in those now too. So, I mean, you know, none of these stocks, it's unbelievable. The market's down like it is. And you got Avi right up near the highs. You got Merck up near the highs. The money's crowding into these names too. So I think that's where you want to be or cash. Now, again, there's going to be a fantastic buying opportunity somewhere. I just don't think it's right now. I just don't think, like, even though some of these stocks and Amazon's JP Morgan's top pick, and maybe we could talk about that too, Joel, and they just came out as Amazon, their top pick for 2023. I think, like, there's still pain ahead here, and I don't want to be too early. I started nibbling on some Amazon on my wife's account at 100 bucks or $103 or whatever it was, $105, and it's wrong. 
So it's wrong. How do you know it's wrong? Well, the market's proving you wrong. You're down in that position. Disney nibbled into that one too early. So I'm like, I just don't want to be early anymore. This is why I'm worried about Apple. I'm worried about it. Yeah, We're going we to those could. daily lows. Oh, I'm we, worried about yeah. Apple too. I yeah. hedge. I have no Apple, and I hedge my 10-year position. I'm hedged right now. Still Look at that monthly. I don't intend Oof. to. I, I, I may lift the hedge. I may not. No, don't, 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 don't lift it. You, you put it on for next year. Don't <laughs> I don't hear that it. often from yeah, John. Don't. So <laughs> Until this thing, you're the at 155. The I to not sell it is, one, because wow, it's a huge gain. I'm like, I'm, my average cost basis on this thing is like 20 bucks, $25. So I'm like, I don't, you know, so you got to analyze it from that perspective too. It's like, do I want to realize that? But I can hedge it for a bet. And then reanalyze, and maybe you lift the hedge and not pay the game. Love that. Maybe you just let it go and pay the game. I don't know. I I said it yesterday on the show. I think Apple could go under hundred bucks. I actually it took love out that, that one thirty four and a half. We've been talking about that area forever. No such thing as a quadruple bottom. And uh, had the weekday on Friday. Uh, someone's got their pedal on the metal here in Tesla too. We're down two seventy five. Two and a half million shares have traded. That to me, I think that's a lot of value in the pre-market. Uh, you looks like you're headed for yesterday's low at one forty five eighty two. Mitch, you seen anything out there on uh, on Tesla? Maybe a, a, the analyst move or something because this is just yeah. They just don't like Musk. Then what is he switching to his thing on Twitter Blue now? You you have to be on Twitter Blue to vote on these polls or something. Is that he? Uh. Man, when I'm, when, really I'm gonna have to pay is. too, ain't I, for that blue check mark that I got, the legacy one. They said they're gonna take that away from me unless I start paying the eight bucks. Yep, so we're gonna have I to have pay, eight Dennis. Bucks a month for that blue check mark. Gonna have to pay. I'm gonna, I, I myself am getting even the the copy accounts, man. So we're gonna have to pay. Oh yeah, this. like they'll start we copying the, you. If we you need don't the blue check that. mark, they start copying <laughs> you. There'll be a there'll be a blue check mark, Dennis. Somebody else will buy it. <laughs> they'll fool them and somebody else will probably buy the blue check mark of my name why that's not that me all <laughs> right lying. just to wrap up yeah. here i'll give you guys a couple of ratings out there uh rocket labs well not a rating but rocket labs rklb uh not being able to uh launch their first rocket launch from the u.s delaying that that took a little bit of a beating there uh stitch fix uh ffxix uh, was downgraded to neutral from underway from JP Morgan. And the last one, I'll give you guys TDD. Uh, the trade desk was rated overweight in new coverage from Pipler Sandler. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Any levels to give on the spy, Joel, before we get you out? Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at S&Ps are shaking <laughs> up a little bit here. I would just say we still have, you know, I'm going to block out that 0350 low from last night. And I'm going to say mid-range on the session, 3830. As long yesterday's low is still a valid number, 27 and a quarter. Uh, we lose that, as I mentioned, on the dailies. and Nothing on the dailies in this until 3782. So that's why I don't know if that's going to be happening today. But that's what the daily charts are saying. Money, Mitch, good to have you back. Triple D, I'll be checking in with you in a little bit. Uh, everyone have a good day. Thanks. All right, Joel's getting out of here. Dennis is out of here. And that means it's time to bring you guys over to some live trading action. We had some yesterday with Lord Ryan and some special guests. Come over now as I go ahead and join the team. As we get into the market, let's see what we can do today. Still got the swing on on the Sark life. Let's go find out what's going on in the markets. Let's see what I got up my sleeve. I'll see you guys over on live trading. Don't go anywhere. Just stick right here. 
Benzinga TV up next. And I will let you guys know, later today, we are releasing a video from Adam Johnson. Adam Johnson talking about 2023 outlook. So if you guys want to hear from an expert, the man himself, Bullseye Brief, Adam Johnson, join us today. That's going to be at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it, team. Right here on Benzinga, get your 23 outlook from Adam Johnson. And, of course, we will also be doing some interviews and some updates on stock market movers this week. That starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it all week long. If you want to get a look into 2023, especially next week, as we start talking about what we should be watching, will we get that January effect? I'm already moving past Santa Claus, but let's talk all about it on live trading. And, of course, stock market movers. It starts at 1 p.m. See you guys there.